First, I want to thank Aaron for covering for me last week. <laughs> I uh, threw the spread of electronic news media, I guess you could call it. We listened to the sermon in Washington. Washington's out there by Oregon and, yeah, that Washington. But this morning we're in 2 Samuel 16. Last week, uh, Aaron talked about the heart of David. And David's such a good study because David knew sin, but he also knew what it was like to be near the heart of God. And so may we glean from David as we go through his life, uh, primarily here in uh, First and Second Samuel. David is on the run. He's fleeing from Jerusalem. He's surrendered his kingship without conflict to Absalom, his third son. And doing so, he avoids innocent bloodshed. David was a man of war, but he also was a man of passion. And he did not seem to enjoy the killing and slaughter, even of the, you know, the pagan societies. And we will see evil men now try to take advantage of David as he retreats from Jerusalem and from Absalom. And one of those evil men is Ziba. He pretends to be an ally of David. Ziba was the servant of Mephibosheth, and he will resort to character assassination of Mephibosheth. So before we look into Ziba and his uh, pack of lies, you might say, against uh, Mephibosheth, we realize in chapter 19 of 2 Samuel, Ziba has conjured up all this pack of lies against Mephibosheth where he can appear, Ziba can appear as the friend of David as he brings gifts to David. But let's read 2 Samuel chapter 16, first four verses, and we'll get into the, the, the plot of lies of Ziba. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, What do you mean to do with these things? So Ziba said, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness, the wine is for them to drink. Then the king said, And where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, Here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you that I may find favor in your sight, 
my Lord, O King. Ziba has come to David, and he's got provisions. David's on the run, so provisions are a welcome sight. Ziba's bringing food and wine and so forth. But Ziba has plotted this. He's thought this whole encounter with David, he's thought it through, and he is full of deception. David wants to know about Mephibosheth. Now, remember, Mephibosheth, what a name, huh? Uh, he's King Saul's grandson. He's Jonathan's only surviving son. And David was kind to Mephibosheth because of David's deep love for Jonathan, his father. Ziba lies about Mephibosheth, and David believes the lie. There's a, there's a great lesson right there. In the book of Acts, Paul would bring news of the Old Testament, and the Bereans are noted for looking at the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. It can be, and it has been said of Christians, that we're probably one of the most gullible group of people that there is. And it should not be so. We should test. Test what I say. Run it upside of Scripture. See how it compares to Scripture. And I do not get offended with that whatsoever. But Mephibosheth has been lied to, to David by Ziba. And David, he makes a rash decision and he grants all of Mephibosheth's possessions and land also, and he gives it to Ziba. Because David has only heard one side of the story. And he makes a bad decision having heard only one side of the story. Have you ever done that? Hmm. Too many times. <laughs> In defense of David... Ziba has brought provisions for himself and his followers and his troops and everything. And Ziba looks good to David. But David, he's going through a trying time. He has people that are leaving him, deserting him left and right. And David is trying to find who is loyal to him and who isn't loyal to him. And so David gives Ziba everything that Mephibosheth owns, including the land. And it's a careful scheme by Ziba, and it falls right into place, and David is the victim and Mephibosheth. Point being, listen to both sides of a story before you pass judgment. And sometimes we learn that lesson in a difficult and an embarrassing way. Have you ever been betrayed by someone who appears to be your friend, who appears to be your ally? That's painful. And I think we've all experienced that to some degree. Proverbs 18 tells us, do not answer a matter before hearing both sides. So we're told, don't do that. When David returns to power, Mephibosheth is confronted by David. And, uh, 
And Mephibosheth, he doesn't defend himself. He simply says, my servant uh, lied about me. But you're the king. You do what's best, David. Mephibosheth had a beautiful, humble trust in David. And, uh, but Ziba, he's had David the king act just as he has desired, just as he plotted. And to be deceived, it's one of my favorite pet things not to do. I hate being deceived. I said hate. I mean it. Um, I think the Lord gives believers a discerning spirit. And I think that is a gift that, uh, that is readily available to us if we will just trust in it. But sometimes we make decisions before we hear both sides. We make rash decisions. Sometimes it's on the purchase of something <clears throat> and that kind of thing. But I deplore those who prey upon the elderly with schemes of dishonesty. We live in an area where there's a lot of tornado and storm damage and it'll sweep through our area and fraudulent contractors pop up everywhere and they want to do repairs for you but here's the one thing to do the repair they need to go buy some materials so give me half the money up front don't do it don't do it it's a scam and which of us has not received phone calls that solicit us to uh, a free vacation or something of this? Now, you've won a prize. And that loan you applied for, it's gone through. You can get it now. I didn't apply for any loan. <laughs> and it's difficult for me to be cordial on the phone to somebody, I think, who's trying to scam me. And... I, I'm sure you suffer the same thing. We have a church directory. I get phone calls. First of all, I check the church directory. Who's calling me? It's not a church person. Good. I check my phone. It's not on my menu list. Uh-huh. I don't answer that phone call. <laughs> uh, so if you want your name on the church directory, then we can arrange that. Sometimes it protects us. Um, make sure, though, that Lori has correct information, right, for the directory. Sometimes she will put in a wrong email address or something like that. But back to Zeba, I'm just saying. <laughs> Zeba takes advantage of David. David is a wise, discerning king. But Ziba is being crafty, and he lies, gives gifts, and David is going through this retreat. He probably doesn't have the time or the means to investigate if what Ziba is saying is true, and David is guilty of believing Ziba. He believes his lies. And he gives all that Mephibosheth owns, he gives to Ziba. It's hurting. It's actually hurting when a good friend will deceive us. 
Um, when we were down on the South Parkway in a rented building, we constantly had people approach us for help, for aid. And the sad stories I have heard <laughs> for food, for gas, utilities, some have been very sad, some have been very clever. And I've been deceived a few times, but I had a policy. I would listen to their plea, and it's always for money, and that's always a sad story of some sort. I would pray with that person. I would bring God into the picture. I would pray for them, and once in a while, I would say, okay, I don't know which sides uh, this falls down on, but, and I would give them money, but I would give it out of my own pocket because I didn't want the church to suffer loss for my bad decision. And that's an issue of pride on my part. Uh, but I developed a cynical attitude. And I had a little speech I would give these people. And I would say something of this nature after praying with them. You have the opportunity to be the first person who has ever repaid me. And they would look at me. I said, so take this money, this 20, this 50, whatever, and pay me back. When you get on your feet, just pay me back. I can still say I have not been paid back one time. So we get cynical, and you can't help it. We'll work for food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> work me for food. That's what you'll do. Uh, pride caused me to pay out of my own pocket because I didn't want the church to suffer loss. And that's a prideful attitude. I hate to be deceived by clever schemes. And man, I have heard some. But you know, I took it to heart, probably more than the Lord wanted me to take it to heart. Because in John's Gospel we read, commentary by John, how Judas carried the money belt for the disciples. And John says, and Judas would steal from the money bag. Yet Jesus knew it and allowed him to carry it. Consider that one. Many of us, we will put safeguards in place to avoid being deceived. But you still can be deceived by a trusted friend, by some acquaintance that is no reason you think to be deceitful. But David was also deceived. Just let me give you one last word on lending. You ever been approached to lend money to someone? Better to err on the side of grace, I totally agree with it, versus being hard-hearted and ungiving. But if you cannot afford to lose what you're lending, don't lend. Don't lend. It's just 
you know, help if you can, err on the side of grace. But if you can't afford to lend and lose it, don't lend. If someone is asking for a handout, bother. Take the time to check out their story if it is all possible with you. And sometimes we don't bother to check out a story. And sometimes we're deceived. Now let's move over to Shimei. He's another man that's easy to dislike. And so in verses 5 through 14. Now when David came to Baharum, there was a man from the family of House of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gura, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. And he threw stones at David and all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. So Shimei said, thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought <clears throat> upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, one of David's men, the son of Zuriah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please let me go over and take off his head. Good thing they didn't ask me. Good thing they asked David. I was, go get him. <laughs> but the king said, What have I to do with you, sons of Zuriah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? David doesn't know if it's of the Lord or not that Shimei curses him. And David said to Abishai and all the servants, See how my son, who came from my own body, seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my afflictions, that the Lord may repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him, cursed as he went, threw stones at him, and kicked up dust. Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. We see here a willingness of David to be humbled. Here's a lone adversary who takes courage to curse David, to throw rocks at him, to kick dust in the air. And Shimei is a distant relative of Saul. And he's resenting David, the fact that he replaced Saul. And he continuously cursed David. And he calls David names. Goes along the hillside above David, throwing rocks at him. And here you have David and his valiant warriors going through this little valley, and they got to dodge rocks thrown at them from this Shimei. But if David was what Shimei accused him of, being bloodthirsty, he would have died. 
because uh, one of his men wanted to kill Shimei. He would have allowed Abishai to do what he wanted. Kill this dog, This he calls him a dead dog, who curses the king. But David allows a heckler to curse him and throw rocks at him. David sees in Shimei that perhaps God was in this cursing of David. David understands he's on the run. Maybe God has sent this man to curse him. Maybe not. He doesn't know. David does know this, though. He knows Absalom is his opponent. He knows that this heckler is just a, a nuisance, and he doesn't bother with him. And what a lesson for us. We have to choose and pick our battles. Understand who you fight against. You battle against powers and principalities, light and darkness. Jesus said, hey, if they hated me, guess what? They're going to hate you. David knew his opponent was Absalom, his own son. When confronted, when somebody comes to you and accuses you of something, what is your first reaction? Mine is usually to defend myself. I didn't say that. Nope, you got, your, you got that wrong. I would never say something like that. But not David. David says, hey, maybe this man is sent by God to bring grief to me. He could have easily said to Abishai, go ahead, do what you want to do. Go kill him. But the real issue here for Abishai and any of us who follow Jesus, we have an enemy and it's not the heckler, it's Satan himself. And David declares, my own son seeks my life. David is able to see that his true enemy is his own son, not this heckler. Not a dust-kicking, rock-throwing heckler, but his own son. And David... Even on the run, he's willing to be of no reputation. He truly is a humbled man that is being judged by God, and he knows it. So whatever God wants to do is fine with David, even if it's to humble him. Let's finish the chapter 15 through 23. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people the men of Israel came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. And so it was when Hushai the Archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king, long live the king. So Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend, meaning David? Why did you not go with your friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, No, but whom the Lord and the people and all of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, who should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of the Son, as I have served in your father's presence? So I will be in your presence. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give advice 
to what we should do. And Ahithophel, a former counselor of David, said to Absalom, Go unto your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you abhor by your are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on top of the house. This is David's former house. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of Israel. Now the advice of Hithphel, which he gave in those days, was if one had inquired of the oracles of God. So was the advice of Hithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Ahithophel is known for his wise and godly counsel. Ahithophel was David's former friend and counselor. Now he counsels against David. Ahithophel also happened to be the grandfather of Bathsheba. And now he counsels Absalom to sin. There's no worse betrayal that we can suffer than that of a close friend, perhaps a spouse, a person whom you have trusted, confided in, with intimate details, plans, and so forth. And now that person chooses to leave you, to discard you, and give their affection, give their love to someone else. That is a pain that I believe is worse than death. Many divorces are filled with bitterness and anger. Absalom, he comes into Jerusalem in a triumphal manner. And David's former friend, Ahithophel, is now Absalom's counselor. Hushai, another counselor, David's close friend, comes to Absalom and he says, Long live the king. Long live the king. And he appears to be Absalom's ally. But Absalom, he doesn't trust Hushai and he asks, Where's your loyalty to your friend David? And Hushai lies to Absalom. No, no. But who the Lord and the people choose, I will be with him, and I will serve the son as I have served the, the father. And then you have a little break. Absalom doesn't really know what to do or say, so he goes to Ahithophel and says, What should we do? Ahithophel is careful not to assassinate the character of Hushai, rather Ahithophel wants Absalom to drive a wedge of hate between himself and his father so deep that there's no turning back. He wants a conspiracy that is so airtight that he can do nothing but benefit. Go into your father's concubines and do it in the sight of all of Israel. And this will show Israel how you have nothing but hate and contempt for your father David. But what Ahithophel doesn't say is, and I will be safe 
from you and your father ever reconciling. You will never reconcile if you would do this. There's no turning back if you do this. But he doesn't tell Absalom that. Back in 2 Samuel, previous to chapter 16, in chapter 12, there's two verses. Let me read them to you. And this is the pronouncement, the prophetic pronouncement upon David. Thus says the Lord to David, Behold, I will raise up adversaries against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel, before the sun. In other words, David, you will pay. And this is the payment that God told David was coming. You're going to have to pay for this, David. And David was told ahead of time the judgment that would come upon him by God. And now God's word is being completed. And it's being completed upon David by the hands of his own son, Absalom, acting upon evil advice given to him by David's trusted friend. But look at Absalom for a moment. He shows his true character in his behavior. What was the first thing Absalom did? He killed his brother, Ammon. Yeah, Ammon raped uh, his sister. And, okay, you can kind of understand, but, but to take a matter into your own hand to murder someone? He's vindicative, Absalom is, towards his own dad, to his own father. And don't miss this. Absalom is contrary to God, the father also. He does not have a relationship with God. God has not sent a prophet to anoint Absalom as king, like God did with David and Saul. And now Absalom, he commits adultery, incestuous adultery of his father's concubines. Absalom, more than pleased Ahithophel with his behavior. Ahithophel is delighted in what Absalom, how he sins against God and against David. <clears throat> when advised to sin, Absalom embraces the sin wholeheartedly. Absalom believes that this sinful behavior will promote him into being king. He's going to benefit from sinning. I wish that would have passed away with Absalom. But we here, I deplore modern politics and the campaigns they run. They don't run on how good a uh, leader I'm going to be, but how bad my opponent is. That same approach is used today 
slander my opponent, and if I've got to lie, well, I'll lie. Absalom is very near the end of his life. His rebellion is short-lived, but he doesn't know it. God is in the midst of judging David. God told David, I'm going to judge him. But God has no delight in Absalom, David's son. And all this saga of David and Absalom shows that David, when corrected by God, is willing to take the correction because David's heart is towards God. Do with me what you must, Lord, but forgive me. The great question. Where is your heart and where is my heart when we sin before the Lord? Do we avoid the judgment that must come from sin? Because sin must be judged for God to be a righteous God. I hope my heart is willing to receive the good judgment of God when I sin. And I do sin. Don't want to, but I do. <laughs> and we all do. Be like David. Receive the judgment of God. Why? Because he's full of mercy and grace. God is full of mercy and grace. David is willing to cast his whole life before God for his behavior. Shimei curses him, throws rocks at him, kicks up dust, and he's a nothing. He's just a heckler. And David won't lift his hand against him. Oh, that we would have the heart of David. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.